listening to 247 Real Talk. This is your host, Julian Perry. And for this episode, I've got some things in my mind that I want to share with you. So sit back, relax, and by the time this episode airs to my TV audience and my audio audience, there will be a title. Right now, I'm going to take a moment for a quick commercial break. So welcome back. Welcome back to 247 Real Talk. Once again, this is your host, Julian Perry. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I wanted to chat with you a bit tonight on this uh, TV and audio podcast episode about something that's been on my mind that affects us all. Well, some of us more than others. I live in New York, and this city has been plagued with violence. I don't remember the last time, or maybe in the 80s, that there was this much violence in New York City. You have to be scared to ride the subway. Every single day, people are being shot. People are being stabbed. And yet, at one point, it was sort of um, expected that these were personal relationship issues, where two people knew each other and they they got into a confrontation, but... No, people are being shot to death at random on the train, stabbed on the street for no reason, robbed, raped. And outside of New York City, you know, I wanted to also, what was also on my mind was what happened in upstate New York, in Buffalo, where was a couple of weeks ago, the gentleman went into a black neighborhood and killed, shot 13 people, I think, uh, 11 or 10 of them were black people. But the intent was to shoot black people, minorities. And as I sat and I thought about this for a while, and I've had subsequent episodes with guests, and we've talked about different things in the community and socioeconomic issues, issues facing us, and this time I began to get angry. Because, you know, I hear people talking, and and I'm going to be very blunt in this episode. We tend to put minorities in a box, and we put Caucasian people, white people, in a different box. A lot of the, or most of the mass shootings that occurred across the United States, if not all, have been done by someone that's Caucasian. 
I want to be careful. I don't want to say all because I'm not 100% sure of that, but most of them have. But the views we have of that and the views that we have of what's going on in the minority community with the violence are quite different. It's like a friend of mine would say, you know, whose standard are we judging this by? And so if I think about what I want this episode to be called, it, it, it might be, take some responsibility. You know, there was a time in my life when I looked at violence in, in black communities. Let's, let's, let's call it what it is. In black youth shooting black people and black people hurting black people. And I used to say it to a friend of mine, oh, you know, we have to stop this violence. And yes, the violence has to stop. But I never quite understood it enough to look beyond the issue. Beyond, beyond what we see in front of us that we, that we, we think is the um, reason. We call it drugs. We call it this. We call it that. But I mentioned it in a previous episode. I'm going to get a little deeper here because I think it, it has to do with people taking responsibility. And hear me clearly. I'm not talking about black people. I'm sorry, but I'm talking about white people. There was a movie many years ago called Trading Places. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I think that's Trading Places, yes. With Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Where these two wealthy guys who owned a company decided to play a game and do a bet for $1 and make... Eddie Murphy, who was a beggar on the street, the rich guy, and make Dan Aykroyd, who was the wealthy Wall Street guy, a poor guy, and see how they behaved. It was a movie. But yet, the experiment was a real-life experiment. It gave real-life results that I believe are at the core of every human being. So what am I saying? Before we blame what's going on in black communities and violence... Take responsibility. Don't tell us that slavery is over. Don't tell us that people now have opportunities. Because in 2022, we're still struggling for freedom. We're still struggling to have another person look at us and see us as equal. And see us as just another qualified human being, for example. We're still struggling to... be counted as human beings within the human race. And by whom? By the people who have the power and who have for all of our lives led the way with wealth, holding the highest positions of government. And even when we've had a president who has not been a white president, all the the majority of the positions underneath that actually have the power to make the decisions, you know, because president only has so many powers. It has to come from Congress. We've always been fighting racism or, or seeing second-class citizens. Now, people talk about stop the violence. Well, if you want to stop the violence, you need to understand the violence. If you want to understand the violence, let's start with the black community. I'm not going to stay in the black community. Let's start the black community because that's the bigger problem in the sense that you, you, you can't take away hope from human beings and expect them to flourish. You can't hand, you know, they say, hand a dog a bone and expect it to feed itself for a lifetime. What basically is happening here is 
you, you, you oppressed and impoverished an entire race for so long that there are people who are scrambling every single day to get out, but the majority still find themselves never able to catch up. Before you blame a certain ethnicity, before you blame a certain race, a certain culture for violence, you need to understand the violence, you need to understand your responsibility in helping to change that. I'm not saying you're going to fix everyone. This world has good and bad people in every race, creed, or color. But there are many people who are resorting to things that are not legal. Many people who are resorting to, to rivalries for survival. So much for that it's become a part of their culture. It's become a part of who they are because they don't know anything else. It's passed down from generation to generation to generation. There's a lot more owed to us, minorities as people. In 2022, we were one to tell the world well, slavery ended a long time ago. Well, that form of slavery ended. But we are still slaves to this system. This system that refuses to allow us an equal chance in the playing field. And I believe simply because if we get an equal chance, there'll be enough of us that might win the race for the first time. And all of a sudden, there'll be no more of these, not just socioeconomic, but these ethnic levels of superiority that are bound in, in, in wealth and are bound and, and, and kept where they are by the hand of oppression. Things like, and I say it on all my episodes, and I will not stop until this, this, this country, every single person, black, white, you know, whatever you believe, if you believe in righteousness, stand behind me and start off with what can be done to, to help the people who have been impoverished and oppressed for so long to get a leg up. Take the pressure off of our backs. I've already spent, gone through in detail what how student loans have affected Minorities more than anyone else. How many minorities went to college and took the maximum amount they were allowed each semester so that after they're paying their, their, their books, which were they're just, just ridiculous prices, and paying for tuition, they used what was left over to survive. How today's modern student takes federal loans and they take the maximum allotted and they use what's left over to invest. But imagine we have to go to that extent to try to get a leg up, to equal those who have oppressed us, those who have, those who don't share, those who don't want to share, those who believe that the world cannot exist unless poverty exists in masses. A guy who's filthy rich doesn't want to be sailing on a yacht down some, 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 in some ocean and watch another guy, a minority, sailing right past him in the same yacht or a bigger one then who is he? Human beings are so vain that we define ourselves by, by, by materialism. And we get that by wealth, and we get that by crushing others, so we create this divide. I've called upon the President of the United States nonstop this year. I've written letters to Senator Schumer and other senators urging them to wipe out student loans. And I asked them to do that because the most, those who are most oppressed by them, those who are most victimized by them, those who are 
I almost want to call it the mistake of taking those loans, thinking that it was an opportunity. It was a disguise for something else. It, student loans were a disguise. If you don't know what I mean, hang on. I'll tell you what I mean right after this commercial message. Okay, I'm back, and uh, I'm a little proud of my equipment here. But um, so, what do I mean about student loans and the trap? Well, if you're gonna strive to become, and I had a guest on my last show, um, Raquel Jones, that is called the S the Welfare Escape Artist. And she, you know, she spoke about the same thing. And I'm speaking about the same thing. Here we are in a situation where you offer us student loans and tell us that if we invest ourselves in, by using this money in our education, that when we're done, we're going to be able to pay off these student loans and we're going to be able to rise up from, and that's how we beat our oppression. Except when we're done, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because so many of my listeners know how passionate I am about this. But when we're done, where do we end up? We end up with a mountain of debt, going to job after job after job. And I, I, I've, I have family members very close to me who are highly qualified to experience the same thing, who have gone through the interview process to the second and third interview only to be told uh, we went with a different candidate. And when you look at their qualifications, you have to say, this can't happen time and time and time and time again unless you're up against a system where you can't win because you're competing for the same job with non-minorities, with white people. And I want to be very clear here because when people hear black and white and hear us speak about it, they want to say, oh, he's racist. This is not about race. This is about truth. This is about real talk. People from Generation Z, people from our life today, people who are, are, who are advocates for change, those of all races, creeds, and colors that marched together for George Floyd, understand what I'm saying. Minorities have gone through so much. They've been put into neighborhoods without teachers, without you know, without funding, with, 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 with an education no one cared about. They've been cast aside for so long. 
Many things that happen are generational. They follow generation after generation and someone manages to break free. And you'll never wonder why so many of us have not uh, broken free. Why there's so much violence and anger still in, 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 in black neighborhoods. And mind you, we say black neighborhoods because that's where we're allowed to live. We are allowed to live here because, and, and I've gone through this, I've experienced this, I've spoken about this. I'm talking about the mortgage systems that exist in two. One for rich, white, and one for black people. I'm talking about black people who work hard and husband and wife work and they make enough money and they, they get priced out of a neighborhood. And they can be priced out by simply not being given a mortgage that allows them to buy in that neighborhood. These are the sophisticated ways that we are sort of corralled into certain neighborhoods. In the midst of the violence, because we're, we're mingled or are co-mingled with those who are struggling, who are, who, are, who, who are hopeless. Those who have found a new ideal, a new reality, and their new reality is, I've got to kill my fellow drug dealer to take over the territory because this is the only semblance I have of being a successful black man. The thought of running a, a Wall Street corporation, of jumping on a yacht from millions of black people, the thought of going to exotic places in the world and seeing that, that all the, the, the tourists are black people who are filthy rich, that is not a reality in this world. It's not a reality in our lives. And as I mentioned before, it is great that we have a up-and-coming black Supreme Court justice and we have a, uh, um, a press secretary who is black, and I applaud those appointments. But that is sort of like throwing us you know, a, a, a piece of candy, a piece of temptation. It's not saying to an entire race, an entire ethnicity, we're going to level the playing field. We're going to take responsibility to what, for what was done to you and we're going to lift our knees off your necks. We understand that you have, for years you've struggled, you've gone out, you've done everything you can, many of you. And for those who have not tried, they have done it the way they only know how to do it because they've, they've been taught that they only, they've been taught a game of survival. Survival to the point that if you have to kill each other to survive, then that's how you live. I've seen documentaries where people in black communities don't expect to live past the age of 18, and that's success. Because they live in a world of violence and expect it's normal for them to expect that they can walk down the street and be killed at any moment. That is their world. And it's not necessarily the world that they want. It's the world they were born into and the world that they can't escape because they're not allowed into anyone else's world. It's like looking up to the top of the world's highest mountain. Most people would look up to that mountain and say, I can't reach the top. It's too hard. You look over at some other people who are not part of your group and what do you see? People handing them ladders and ropes to get to the top. You look up for yourself and for your race and all you see are rocks and your bare hands and you're told to crawl your way to the top. So we start crawling. 
tens and hundreds and thousands of us crawl. Some of us fall along the way. Some of us take a route and when we hit a certain point, we can't get any further. Some of us reach the top of the mountain and as we dare to put our hands on the last rock to pull ourselves up, we look and there's someone next to us and that person is a white person, a non-minority. And there's a guy standing above the, at the top with a big boot on. And he looks at us before he kicks us down the mountain. He says, sorry, I'm going to give entry to the guy next to you. We need to think about these realities because they are real. I am sitting here in front of you as a person who has friends of every ethnicity. I grew up in the Caribbean where at the time of, that, of my life, then there was, I didn't know, obviously it existed, but I didn't know about racism. I have friends of every race, creed, or color that would do anything for me and I would do that for them. And many of those friends understand the reality of what has happened to this race. Many of those friends have had conversations with me when I've gone for job after job after job and they say, but you are so qualified, what's going on? And when you look at who you're competing against and sometimes you got the ability to see you realize not only who got the job, but you realize that person, you know, maybe even a few months later is no longer in the job because they couldn't perform in the, to begin with. It's like every time someone throws us a bone or you get a promotion that's half the size of the person right next to us who was, who was half as qualified, we have to jump for joy and celebrate because that's what we've be, we're forced to accept. Mentally, that's what we've begun to accept. That half of victory is enough, even though we deserved the entire victory. For many of you who are seeing me on TV for the first time, or for many of my audio listeners, you know, those of you who are listening for the first time, and I'm, I'm thankful for all of you, I encourage you to continue to listen to 247 Real Talk, and you'll understand that a lot of these issues are tied into what's going on in society and they're not about racism from my perspective. They're they're, they're a fight for equality. It's like me continuing the I have a dream speech because many of us think that, 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 that speech, that dream was fulfilled, but it hasn't been. Why don't you see the same violence in other neighborhoods? Why? Because they've been privileged. You know what they go do? They have mass shootings. They go shoot up high schools. This is a reality. We talk about mental health issues. Ask yourself this question. If so many people in wealthy areas or so many white people are deep to have mental health issues every time they shoot up a school or building a job or something. Why isn't the same description, the same immediate assumption made when people in black neighborhoods shoot it up or shoot each other? It is amazing how we are viewed so differently in this world. 
it's amazing how this gentleman in Buffalo, New York, had a, I think it was a 183-page manifesto based on the replacement theory. The replacement theory that black people are here and we are a threat because we are going to replace white people. And this nonsense has been sort of fest, it's been festering in our society and it's been encouraged. It's been quietly encouraged by the same people who yell, there must be an end to racism. They tell you what they need to tell you in front of the TV camera, but that's not what they're doing behind your backs. Imagine that. After all minorities, I'm talking about all minorities, after all that all minorities continue to suffer to go through to get a leg up, someone has the audacity to brainwash a set of white people to believe that black people are going to replace them. The only reason I could think you would think that way is because you recognize that we have the same or better intelligence. I don't want to say better to be prejudicial, point meaning that we can compete on the same level and given the same opportunities, with the same open doors, with the same head nods, we too would be where they are. And then maybe you, could, you might be able to say, oh, replacement. But we're not trying to replace anyone. We're trying to join them by, by getting the same opportunity to show what we are capable of. And then letting that soak into our culture, into our ethnicity, into our generations. So that generation by generation as they rise, will learn a new way of life. A way of life of opportunity, a way of life void of someone's foot on their neck. Mr. President, and I say it's any president, but I'm speaking to the one who's currently in the White House. You have to do better. If you truly mean what you stand in front of the cameras and say that you want to help minorities, start with wiping out student loans because we own the majority of them. We hold the majority of them. We stand to lose our houses, our families, everything we've worked for because the federal government will come down on us like a ton of bricks. And the fact of the matter is, and I will reference it again, so far, you've given probably close to $50 billion to Ukraine. I'm so sorry for what the people in Ukraine are going through. I'm so sorry for what Vladimir Putin is doing to them. But to us minorities too, the way we see it through our eyes, and if you could see it through our eyes, Ukrainians are suffering. What Putin is doing is wrong. And you are helping them. And we agree with being empathetic. But it, it, it kind of stings because apart from the fact that we are Americans, you have to be careful how it shows. Because what we see is you very quickly write a check to help out white people in trouble in a foreign land. But you won't write the same check to help out minorities, black people, Spanish people, all other minority races, in your own land. What does that say about who you are and where we're struggling to go? We have to change. This cannot continue on.
Our children are losing hope. I have children. I talk to them all the time about the possibilities of the future. Not everyone has the same fight. Not everyone can fight the same battle. And not everyone can win it the same way. As human beings, we should have the freedom to live like all other human beings. And not have to worry about not being chosen because of the color of our skins. It is the perfect night in New York City. In case you hear any noise in the background in the mic, the rain is coming down. I can hear it hitting the roof. And for me, my faith is hoping that as I share these thoughts with you, those raindrops are raindrops that represent blessings. Well, how the song go? Open the floodgates of heaven and let it rain. I pray that when it rains, it rains down on all as God rains on the just and the unjust. And he will level the playing field for those who are struggling to level it and even for those who are refusing to level it. It's been a pleasure sharing my thoughts with you. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other.